0: Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition. Brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear, Mike Johnson and Pierre Lebrun. Standing by, going to talk a couple of streaks ending in the National Hockey League last night. Of course, it's that season. All kinds of trade chatter, speculation and such ahead on the podcast as well. Looking forward to it. Going to be a good one today. As I mentioned, Kuma Outdoor Gear, proud title sponsors here on Got Your Back. They got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs, tents and sleeping bags, travel games, pet products, and drinkware. And they love their new Switchback heated chair. The world's first heated chair, powered by Bluetooth technology, has an insulated cup holder on one side and a wine glass holder on the other. Enough said. Go to kumaoutdoorgear.com, find a retailer near you, check out all they have to offer Kuma Outdoor Gear. Experience luxury outdoor. The band is back together. It's been a few weeks. I was off. You guys uh, did a podcast without me. Nice job hosting in my stead, Johnny. Harder than you thought, right? I assumed it would be a little humbling for you when you got in the big chair and realized, oh my goodness, this isn't as easy as Shaggy makes it look.
1: I will say you do make it look easy, <laughs> largely because it is. E- no, I sh- knew it.
0: I knew it. You totally think you could do this. Uh,
1: I mean, of course I can. I just can't do it well. It's, it's, I mean, you know. it. Was
2: awesome. What are you talking about, MJ? Was awesome. Of course, really. We kind of just taped the conversation if MJ and I were talking hockey. Yeah.
0: Over here, really sitting around BSing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, that's the podcast design, right? Just three guys talking hockey. Three hockey guys Shoggy, talking hockey.
1: Shaggy, are you supposed to be tanned right now?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just got back from Cabo. Why am I not? I mean. Got back from Cabo. Look at that. Yes. Nice baked brown. Look at
2: that. It, it, can I Hold just that share? That? I phoned you. I phoned you last week because you were so confused about my schedule. And so I decided <laughs> to phone you because I get tired of texting. And I don't know that you knew what country you were in or what planet you were on. I'm just going to share that. Like, it was a very (laughs) incoherent Ryan Rashad. I'm not saying he had beers in him. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I think he just sounded very confused.
0: Yeah. He calls me. He's like, what time are we taping the pod tomorrow? I was like, pod to the what? Pod, aren't you in Florida or something? Or aren't you? And he's like, no, man. I'm home working, grinding like the rest of the hockey world. Like, when are we doing the podcast? I completely got the schedule. I thought Pierre was gone. I thought you were I unavailable. Wish. The house marks gone. where I was staying, guys, let's just say they went down pretty smooth. So there was, there's a little window of a few days where Got Your Back got a little, a little organizationally sloppy for a couple of days there. The brain yeah, trust.
1: We, we should have just taken it the initiative and done money. it again. The two of us. Yeah. It's okay. There you yep. go.
0: We don't need him clearly, and there's it, it, enough to talk it, about. Let's just we don't do have it. your back when it yeah. comes to this podcast. <laughs> We're gonna stab <laughs> you in the back and do yeah. your show. Show the sponsors we don't need you and cut mm. out cut out the extra fat here on the podcast. All right, lots to dive into, gentlemen. So let's get to our breakdown brought to you by our good friends at Kinprint. Over a hundred combined years of experience. If you can dream it, they can make it happen. They provide embroidery, signage, printing, logo design, let Kinprint help you take your brand to the next level with their high quality top of the line apparel by the way I have some apparel to show you guys been working with i imprint. saw shoggy uh so this isn't and... this isn't one that's necessarily available this is a special one-off that they did for me so we got that one hang on where's i the got some blue blue orange here. where's the blue and orange uh okay we got that one there that's the white and orange i like uh, that blue and orange is up here
1: uh, there's that the one, one that is blue on its way orange. to my house Right? Uh
0: yeah yeah we can probably right? we can probably sort you out Pierre uh so I asked them they weren't able to find a salad bowl that would fit your head but they do have a lampshade <laughs> and they feel that they can they can embroider a lampshade for you Pierre if you want
2: it's uh, uh, you know
0: we'll I'm in the Guinness sweater. World
2: Book of Records for biggest head I don't know what to tell you
0: <laughs> we'll get you a sweater or like a, a mug with with got oh, your back that's on funny. it. I love it. Anyways, bit of blast working with the great people at KinPrint. Uh, Check them out at KinPrint.ca. Okay, gentlemen, a couple streaks end in the National Hockey League last night. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers and Nathan McKinnon. We're going to get into some trade stuff as well. We're going to do all of that. But first, we have not done a podcast yet since uh, the press conference was held the other day uh, by the London police chief confirming what was widely reported that five players from the 2018 World Junior Team have been charged with sexual assault uh, from an incident, an alleged incident stemming um, back from a, a hockey Kennedy gathering back in 2018. Notable that Mike McLeod, uh, a second charge um, uh, filed against him as well. So it's Carter Hart, Dylan Dubey, Alex Formanton, Mike McLeod, and Cal Foote. We want to state from the outset here that this is going to be a long process, and this is going to be a drawn-out process, and we're talking potentially you know, 10, 12 months, even beyond, year, year and a half. And so this is going to be hanging out there for quite some time. Uh, and we're going to handle this carefully because it is a legal proceeding. And quite frankly, you, you have to be careful about what you say. There's the presumption of innocence. There's the respect for the alleged victim. And all of those things, ne- we need to say from the outset, we're going to respect all of those things. But Pierre, you were in the middle of it at All Star when this story broke and, and when everything, you know, basically started to happen. So maybe just your thoughts on um, the gravity of this story on the hockey world and what you saw and heard from the, uh, the press conference.
2: Well, certainly, um, you know, for anyone not to have felt this would be pretty surprising to me, but I feel like being at All-Star, you could feel the heaviness in the air of, of this story really casting a shadow over one of the league's, you know, premier events, as it should. Um, this is a story that continues to rock the sport and again we don't know how it's going to end you know we'll let the legal process handle that but it doesn't change the fact that regardless of the ending of that the story itself is is really weighing on 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 the sport and I say the sport more in the NHL because obviously you know the five players accused were still junior players when this happened but you know it's a, it's a question that I posed to Commissioner Gary Bettman at that news conference last Friday, it, the NHL still has the biggest influence on the sport in terms of setting standards and and, and and having the biggest influence on the culture of the sport. And listen, he he gave the answer that he did, which was a pretty lengthy one, actually, to that question. But because of that, it it, it, it still absolutely weighs on the NHL because, of course, these players all ended up playing in the NHL and were until recently when they took a leave. So it's 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 uh, it's such a difficult story. I mean, I, I think of the alleged victim so much about you know that she's had to wait all these years now for this finally to mm-hmm. to have um, you know a legal proceeding attached to it. But um, and obviously there's, you know people again talking about talking about the tox, you know the the culture, of the sport, and so on. I did a piece with Sheldon Kennedy you know, about 10 days ago and all the work he's done over the years. And we, and we, he had some really interesting thoughts. I I thought in, mm-hmm. in lieu of, of what's playing out here, but there's no neat little comment that just ends all this and says, well, we'll see what happens. Nope. No, it's heavy. It's heavy. And, yep. and, you know, there's, there's a lot to, to take in.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was an all-star and you're right. It, it was definitely casting a shadow over the entire experience as good as it was. Um, you know, we, we're gonna have to wait to see what happens in the legal proceedings to to kind of have thoughts on this specific incident but if nothing else shaggy um, this has forced the conversations to maybe come to the surface that are appropriate and necessary and healthy and can hopefully better everybody involved in all sports and all walks of life but um, hockey specifically and, and and maybe that's kind of what will be going on over the next However long, I mean, as far as the mm-hmm. specifics of the case, we'll have to wait for the case to play out. But, um, you know, the conversations that it has spurred, um, uh, unfortunate as they may be to have to have them, they're, they're probably for the benefit of everyone involved in the sport.
0: Yeah, and, and I
2: should mention uh, that I reached out to both the NHL and in the NHLPA again on Monday after the London Police News Conference to see if the league and the PA had any more common, and, and they didn't in that moment because I think they referred back to their comments from, from Friday. Marty Walsh from the PA made some comments. And obviously, Gary Bettman made a number of them. And, and I will just, as an aside, mention that I'm probably surprised. And a lot of it is that, you know, obviously, those of us at the news conference, all of us had a lot of questions to ask. But Gary Bettman, mm-hmm. I think, said more than I thought he would have. On yeah. it. I, I, clearly, in a perfect world for him, I think he wished he could have made that those prepared remarks and ended there. But that wasn't going to happen because... I think all the media there had some obvious questions but there there was a lot to digest there and the most notable comment that I believe he made was that he didn't think that um you know the the, the NHL players accused were going to be playing in the NHL while this legal matter was playing out and and that was probably the biggest comment he made I think mm-hmm.
0: And notable that their contracts are expiring, uh, restricted free agents in some cases, and and so teams uh, will have decisions to make here at the you know expiration of these contracts. We'll see, we'll see what happens on that front moving forward. Bottom line, um, this is serious business. You know we kind of play in the sandbox of life here, covering sports, but it, it, this is very real and this is very serious. We're going to treat it with that respect. We will report the news as it happens. We'll keep people up to speed on what's happening. And we're not going to shy away from the tough conversations, but there will be a time and a place where those become more appropriate as you know rulings are made and the legal process is allowed to happen. So we will follow it, we will report on it, and we'll have the discussions when it is appropriate to have those discussions. Okay, let's get to the National Hockey League on the ice, gentlemen. Couple streaks come to an end last night. You got Nate McKinnon in his 14-game point streak. we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But the Edmonton Oilers, what an incredible run they go on, guys! So they win eight in a row. Then they lose three, and then they go on a 16-game heater. Now, the NHL schedule giveth, and the NHL schedule taketh away, Johnny. It gave to them with a softer schedule, some softer opponents. It set up for them to go on a nice little run. Full credit to them. They took advantage. But then, what, eight or nine-day break before a chance to try and tie the record? I don't know. I watched the game last night. I wouldn't say they were rusty or whatever, but I can't help but wonder if this game were played nine days ago maybe the outcome is a little bit different. I'm not sure. Tough bit of scheduling there to have that break. sit To think about that.
1: Probably. Although I don't think they have spent the last 10 days chewing on the chance to set up record. They were probably just doing whatever they are doing. They got plugged back in. They played well enough to win. I they mean, I, mean I, I think it was a good game between two good teams. I think it was a reminder of how good Aiden Hill has been when he has been healthy. And everyone fretting about Canada's goaltending there's your guy that's the guy who's gonna, gonna say have that, that job
0: so mean, let's get to that in a minute because my question yeah. is did we see two of the guys last night that could be Canada yeah, exactly. one, we'll talk about that after yes we'll see yeah, that's we'll on the that list after,
1: right. but yeah I mean I, I get it like you know William Carlson has time to get back and be healthy maybe some of the momentum the continuity just sort of the the, the routine and the energy of doing it every single day mm-hmm. disappeared for them but um you know and Vegas is a good team, so it, it's a lot going in there. But it's not like, certainly Edmonton didn't dominate the game, but they had more than their fair share of chances. They probably carried the play more. If you if you went, the deserve to win-o-meter. I think uh, Edmonton would have been more than 50%, Pierre. So um, it happens. And this is what makes having these long win streaks so hard to begin with, is that there are yeah. goaltenders in the NHL. Everyone in the league can steal a game. Every goal in the league could steal a game, and they managed to go a month and a half without that happening. And not that Aiden Hill completely stole it, but he's a big part of the reason why they won it. So, yeah, kudos, tip of the cap. It stinks to get that close, one away, and not get there. But um, an incredible run for them, and a nice win for Vegas coming out of the break because Vegas has been sort of scuffling for the better part of two months. Mm -hmm. And to maybe knock Edmonton off that streak, Pierre gets them going in the right direction.
2: Well, it also the Oilers losing saved us from having the, the uncomfortable conversation about the 92-93 Penguins not having a shootout win as part of their season. Oh, settings. you're going to have it
0: anyways, right? here we oh, go. aren't you? No, there I'm we not going to do go it there. anyways right I'm now. Just right I'm just kidding. Ties,
2: <laughs> shootouts, oh, here we go. He's just
0: bitter he had to be um, an All-Star, so he's rabble-rousing. What I <laughs> would
2: argue is that the Oilers winning 16 in a row in today's parody NHL is is, is harder to do than the Penguins yep. winning Bunch of games in '92, '93, where the gap between the best teams and the lower teams was wider, so it all evens out. But um, you know, one thing I was thinking watching that game last night, it man, it felt like a playoff game in terms of the refs put the whistles away. I thought, and um, it, and Vegas got to impose, I think, a, a sort of a slugfest type game, real heavy game where the ice was hard to gain. And I thought Edmonton handled it pretty well for long stretches. So. Honestly, even though the Oilers lost, I, I kind of feel like you come out of that game saying, "Okay, if that's what you're going to bring again come playoff time, you yeah. know, let's let's slug it out in the first round." We're, you know, I th- I thought the Oilers could have easily won that game, quite frankly. So, but it was uh, there was not a lot of free ice mm-hmm. in that game outside of Brett Kulak out of nowhere having a mini breakaway yeah. there in the second period. But <laughs> other than that, it, it, it was uh, well the two on oh with, with with Leon and Connor, the shorthanded but, two on O, yeah, but, I mean, but David it was, Vegas was allowed to play its heavy game there last night. And uh, that's okay. That's interesting.
0: (coughs) There is another streak that stays alive for the Oilers. It's 15 games where they've allowed two goals or less outside of an empty netter that we saw last night, which is the one anomaly in there. Um, Boy, the defensive prowess that this team has developed, Johnny. If you think about where they were earlier this year and where they are now through this 16-game streak, what did you learn about the Edmonton Oilers here over this 16-game streak, Johnny?
1: What did I learn is that they are capable of playing better defense than they were, but I think Mm -hmm. it's more important. Shaggy, what did they learn? Mm -hmm. Like, what do they now know about the way to play to be successful consistently? And it's not to score five it's to keep them to two or three. And if you do that, then you're going to be in every game and they have enough talent to get enough goals to win. I think that's the message of this entire last 27 game run. If we commit to defense and if we get the good goaltending, then we're in every single game, and our super superlative talent will win us plenty because we have that as well. That's the message. That's the lesson. I mean, you can go to X and O's. Obviously, the rush defense is was awful the first 10 games of the season. It's gotten so much better. The penalty kill, awful. Mark Stewart, we're giving him lots of flowers. He deserves them. Penalty kill has gotten so much better. Stuart Skinner has gotten his game under under control with some of the support in front of him so much better. But I think as a group, you'd like to think if they ever – if they needed to be reminded by doing as instead of being told to play good defense, that defense wins championships, that this is what you need to do to win the playoffs, to win a Stanley Cup. If you need to actually do it, they just did it. They're continuing to do it. And I think, Pierre, that's the biggest lesson learned of the last month and a half for Edmonton. Defense – Wins them games.
2: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, and I, and I think really the reason you feel confident that the Oilers have as good a shot of winning a cup as anyone else is that I think they've learned they can win games in different ways. And and again, I thought they were very comfortable in that sluggish, heavy game last night in Vegas. Just because they didn't win, they don't you know that doesn't mean anything to me. They were in that game, and and so they can win a two-one game. They can win a five-four game. They can win with speed, they can win with defense, they can win with special teams, they can win with goaltending, and they can win with people scoring on different lines. I mean, there's a lot of check marks happening here for the Edmonton Oilers. I think I'd, I I understand why the front office sounds like that they've made their priority to go out and get another top-six winger or a top-nine forward, but yeah, why not? Because it's, it's, it's a long road if you want to go deep into playoffs. You want to be as deep as you can. But honestly, this is a team right now that can beat you in a lot of different ways.
0: Johnny, you brought it up before. We'll transition to Team Canada because those discussions are going to be a blast here over the next uh, year or so. Goaltending is where the Canadian hockey fan would feel stressed. That's the part of the lineup where you start to feel stressed because you look at what the Americans are bringing to the table and holy snap
1: mm-hmm. with the
0: choices they have. I wonder... Did we see two of Canada's three goaltenders in last night's game? Potentially. Aiden Hill absolutely deserves to be in that conversation. Stuart Skinner, scrappy. Is he going to scrap his way into that discussion?
1: I think he's already in the discussion. Yeah. Like, and I, and I don't know if that says more about him and his great game, or maybe it says the lack of Canada depth that he would be right in the forefront of it. A bit of both. But I was look A bit of both. A bit of both. I was looking at this just yesterday and digging into some of the numbers, and I'm not for a second... Suggesting Aiden Hill should win the Vezina, so don't okay. talk to me like that. In the games that Aiden Hill has played, I think last night was just his 18th because he's been injured. He just hasn't played enough. He has been the best goalie per start in the NHL, better than Hellebuck, better than Demko, better than Swayman. His numbers are outrageous: the goals against, the save percentage, the goal save above expected, the high danger save percentage, through the roof. Better than those guys who are having the best years in the league. So, yes, Aiden Hill not only deserves to be in the conversation. I think he's, the conversation begins with him. Like, I think he's the leading candidate, Pierre, and Stuart Skinner will be there if he's playing well, as he's shown he can. Um, he'll be there, right, right there as well. You only need one goalie, though, in these tournaments. Yeah. And right now, I think that goalie for Canada is Aiden Hill.
0: And just a little bit of texture here, Pierre, on those numbers. Johnny, you bring them up. Among goalies with at least 18 starts this season, He's first in goals against, 1.88. And save percentage, 9.38 Pierre. He should be oh in yeah. that Besna discussion. Shuggie,
1: just one more layer. in the goals save above expected per start. Yep. Hellebuck's at like 0.6. So like almost more than half a goal extra per game he's saving. Hill's over one. He's yeah. over one extra goal. But he's like almost double what Hellebuck is per start, Pierre. So just like he has been exceptional. He has been exceptional in Vegas this year.
2: Yeah, the only thing I would point out, and, and there's absolutely nothing I disagree with, but the only thing I would point out is part of, of rating excellence for me for starting goalie is how you're dealing with the workhorse element of it, mm-hmm. and, and he was out for, for sure. quite a while. And and again, that's not his fault, but my point is that kind of allowed his stats to get frozen for a bit, but he's picked up where he left off. He's been awesome. So it may be nothing, but guys like Hellebuck and Demko, for example, have been at it all year, and their stats have stayed pretty competitive. That, that's a harder thing to do. Because of the workload, um, you know, I think right at the Olympics started next week, you saw your one-two punch and goal for Canada last night in Vegas. I mean, I mean, how else can you make an argument for anyone else? I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting in Jordan Binnington ahead of Stuart Skinner as number two. Um,
0: mm-hmm. You know, there's some love out there for Montembeau. Montembeau.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but I, 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 think it's, I think it's Hill Skinner one-two. The only thing I wonder is if Russia is still banned from Olympic play in 2026. Remember how Peter Nedved who's <laughs> Jack, played for Canada in the Olympics. Can Ilya Sorokin maybe get sent to Canadian. Pa- I'm just kidding. I, I'm, just I'm kidding. glad
1: you bring that up though. Cause Canadian <laughs> hockey fans love to thumb their nose. Like Brett Hall scored the 96. He's actually Canadian. He shouldn't be pl-. like, hang on Peter Nedved played in the Olympics for Canada. So like, Canada is and, not and above he, taking a good player
0: have it both ways.
1: who somehow actually, qualifies for a tournament.
2: And I think the story that I, I had forgotten it because I was pretty young when it happened, but but because I wrote this long column on Peter Stashney last year for the top 100 for the athletic. And I spoke to, to Peter, he reminded me and I went back and I watched the YouTube clips. Peter Stastny played for Canada in a Canada cup. Peter yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, And it's like, you didn't have enough Oilers and Islanders and Habs to choose for in that Canada Cup that you slid in Peter Stashley. who was the second highest score in the decade of the 1980s, uh, who, of course, is, is Slovak. Yeah, so there's another one too, MJ. Yeah,
0: whatever gonna, it takes. Yes. It's going to be fun discussing uh, what Team Canada potentially looks like. I'm glad it's there, man. I'm glad international best on mm-hmm. best. Is back, And I know with the Four Nations, it's not exactly best on best, but you know what I'm saying. I'm glad that we get to dive in deep on those discussions again. It's good for the game, and it's tons of fun. Let's talk about the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Make a significant swap. And on night one, boy, it just turns up roses for everybody. We'll start with the Canucks and Lindholm. A couple of goals right in in the office, right in his new Rick Talkett-appointed office, MJ. It's just sitting right there.
1: Okay, first of all, Rick Talkin acknowledging he didn't want the Oilers to break the Penguins' record. I like that. Like, yeah. I like somebody saying, "Like, yeah, I don't want him to get it. I like having it for myself. Like, Yes, that's a human reaction. Good on talk for doing that. Now, Lindholm goes over there, and I'm like, good player. We'll do a lot of things well. Versatility, could play on the wing, in the middle, right shot center, all the stuff we know. I don't think we're going to get the offense guy that we had two years ago in Calgary, the 40-goal guy. So what does he do, Shoggy? Goes right in the mm-hmm. first game and he grabs two tip-in goals. We talk about, I mean, I'm going to choke on talking about the shooting percentage regression that is going to come for Vancouver because it's never coming. And sure, Lindholm steps right in there, and boom, he starts scoring at a rate that he has not scored at previously. Um, That is amazing, and it's been that kind of year for them. But I just think on the bigger picture, the fact that now with him on the Canucks, you can play Miller, Besser, Pedersen on two different lines, have two different scoring lines, and Lindholm will be another fourth forward. You have Mikaev, you have Suter, and all of a sudden, you don't feel like you have to load up. And if mm-hmm. you don't, you're in good shape. If you do, you're also in good shape. That's the kind of flexibility that I think he offers them um, down the stretch. So uh, it's a big trade. They gave up a lot to get him, including Kuzmenko. But I, I think you saw right away on the first power play, like they're going to use him in a major role and he's going to play a significant factor of whatever success they have. Yeah, I mean, at the
2: end of the day, I think the most fascinating part of this, as I did more digging on this trade, is that my understanding is the Canucks actually had interest in trading for Lindholm last summer. <laughs> so <laughs> so this was someone that uh, they had hoped to make part of the plan. And what's fascinating to me about that is that who knew last summer the Canucks would be this good? So, So why did they have interest in him what was that part of in terms of where they thought they were headed? And it tells me a couple of things. One, that the Canucks thought more highly of their chances internally than the rest of the world, and they've been proven correct. But number two, I I just think win or lose, they just saw him as a player that fit in with what they're trying to do moving forward, regardless of the standings, which is also very interesting to me. So this isn't just, hey, we're in first place, uh, let's go for it. I think this was actually a player that, they've thought about for a long time, which, which
1: gives us a little more layer, I think. Could it possibly, Pierre, be maybe, maybe premature, but a little bit of insurance on Leas Petterson, who needs a new contract and hasn't yet signed an extension and hasn't sort of shelved those conversations until after the year? I mean, I think that has to be part of it to some degree. I mean, I think it's
2: twofold. If, if, if they get Pedersen signed, which is obviously what they hope to do this summer, I think they could make this a more global thing where they go to to both players and say, we got a cup contender here. So maybe you take a little less, you take a little less, Lindholm to stay, don't go to the UFA market, and we make this all work together. So I guess what I'm saying is in some strange way in the Pedersen talks, does it give the Canucks a little leverage there where it's like, we're trying to make this all work here. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd be careful with that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I know a lot of people are, are presuming that Lindholm will, will probably want to stay. He might, but don't presume. I mean, mm-hmm. he was offered a deal in the eights from Calgary uh, at some point and obviously stayed resolute with the fact that he's UFA July 1st. So I, I think this is more a situation where Lindholm is going into Vancouver with an open mind, see how he fits, see how the playoff run goes. But I don't think... I I don't think there's a chance that we see an extension before the end of the season. I think that this is more of an off-season discussion either
0: way. Hmm. Meanwhile, the Calgary Flames, I mean, general, conventional wisdom is when you you give up the best player in a trade, chances are you probably lost the trade. And the, the Calgary Flames clearly did in this case. But I wonder if just, you know, the different look, the different feel. Kuzmenko steps into the lineup, has a real solid game, contributes, ends up scoring a goal. You know, you look at the Calgary Flames, Johnny, and it's like, there's lots of good players there. But for whatever reason, when you piece them all together and throw a lineup on the ice, it just, it just, it was like the sum of the parts just wasn't quite there. How much do you think just a change of faces and a change of lines and shaking it up a little bit? They're right in the mix for a playoff spot. They had a heck of a good haul. They got a heck of a haul for them. So I don't know, man. Sometimes it can kind of be sneaky good for the team that gives up the best player
1: especially when that best player is going to walk away in three months. Like, I yeah. mean, like, let's be honest, he wouldn't be around next year. So yes. Um, you know, certainly for Kuzmenko change of scenery will do him well. He was sort of stuck in, in Vancouver and out of the lineup, in and out of the doghouse, just not being part of the fun ride that everybody seems to be on on that team this year. He was the one guy sort of left not enjoying it. So for him, who's shown ability to score goals at an elite level in the NHL, he should really enjoy and embrace that and know that. And this is the reality. When you're the centerpiece return for a player as good as Lindholm, guess who's invested in you doing really well? The entire organization. Yeah. Like Calgary wants you to be successful because that makes them look good. So you're going to get lots of ice time and power play time and good linemates and all those things that he didn't always have in Vancouver. So that. That's good. And then I don't know enough about the prospects, but there, God, there's enough of them between the prospects and the picks to hopefully one or two of them hit, and all of a sudden you're onto to something. Um, and, you know, Calgary is going to be in an interesting spot, Pierre, where, you know, the whole year is going to be about unloading these players, and yet can they sort of rally behind that and say, well, you may take them away, but we're still going to push for a playoff spot. That would be quite a testament to the group that remains if they can hang in that chase and, and, and get around the wild card. Well, I
2: actually think it's kind of funny, MJ, that the two teams that unloaded players last week, Calgary and Montreal, start the post-All-Star break with Calgary winning in Boston, Montreal winning in Washington, almost thumbing their nose. The players are at management for taking away from their team, which you love to see. But, um, you know, the Flames aren't done. I mean, uh, you know, they're going to trade Chris Tanev, I think, barring a last-minute, miracle extension there for tanev I mean he's he's the number one d in the rental market there's so many teams that are interested in him Hannapin is more interesting um, they're still trying to sign him mm-hmm. but I just I mean this thing going back to the fall has been so wild uh back and forth so at some let's put it this way whether they sign him or not the, the, there's gonna be some clarity that's needed in the next I'd say seven to ten days because Calgary has to know because if they can't sign him they got to, you know, properly explore the trade market and not be in a rush to do it before March 8th. But, what
1: about um, Markstrom? What about well, Markstrom?
2: That's, that's an interesting one for sure. And and when I checked on it last week, I didn't sense that the market was hot yet there. But one team that I wrote about in my rumblings last week, one of my pieces was that the Devils have showed interest in, in Jacob Markstrom. The Devils are not in a playoff spot. But I think the beauty, if New Jersey decided to go forward and, and, and put together an offer there, is that Markstrom has signed for a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're really making a hockey trade if you New Jersey. And and they, they need an upgrade in goal. I think it's pretty clear. That's been a real problem for the Devils. Um, the other thing in all that is Markstrom has a full no trade. He controls his own fate. But his best friend just got traded. I mean, Lindholm is, the re- is one of the big reasons Markstrom... Left Vancouver, spurned Edmonton on the way, and ended up in Calgary because him and Lindholm <laughs> are so tight, and and um, and now his buddy's gone to Vancouver, ironically. So, you know, I don't know that Markstrom was that interested in that in that trade deadline
1: conversation until then. Let's see where it goes now. And I'll say this: you put him in Jersey. There's plenty of time to catch the bottom of the Metro, like the bottom right. of the East is not, you know. Mm-hmm. The the the, the, the elite of the elites, I, I think they have plenty of time with a goaltender and a healthy Jack Hughes to make a run.
0: Great point. Uh why do people say I'll say this, by the way, Johnny? Isn't that interesting? Like, why not just say it? Why not just say it? May, would it not be more poignant if like you just made no. your point as no, opposed I... to prefacing it with no and I'll say this? With, you're with wrong. All you're respect, the one who makes up words. With all due respect.
1: I'm saying it as a preface to the gravity of the statement I'm about to make. I'll say this, so you
0: better listen to what I'm going to say. I wonder, but if you just flat out dropped it, like boom, hot take, boom. Maybe there's a bunch of things
2: that we shouldn't say anymore, and I'm as guilty as anyone else. So, with all due respect, yeah, uh, don't take this the wrong way. Yeah, Um, I say this with all honesty. (laughs) You should never say that
0: because you know the other one, think
2: of what you're saying the rest of the time.
0: (laughs) You know, the other one that runs rampant at the end of the day, yes, at the end of the day,
1: yeah, or we go on a tangent here. Every hockey player who's asked a question, Ryan asked uh, Connor McDavid, so Connor, first period, you got off to a slow start. How'd you turn things around? Yeah, no, what, (laughs) yeah, and they all (laughs) say yes, no, and then start talking, yeah,
0: can't be. Well, listen, guys, I say this with all due respect, and I mean no offense, but I'll say this. It's time to move on from the Flames and Canucks. Let's get quickly to the Winnipeg Jets. Just a quick thought. No massive panic or anything like that, but they suddenly lost four in a row. First with newly acquired Sean Monaghan in the lineup. They have scored more than two non-empty net goals just once in the past eight games. You can tell I'm reading this now. This is courtesy of the Quizmaster. So, I don't know, it's gone the wrong way a little bit here for the Winnipeg Jets. What are we observing in Winnipeg, Johnny?
1: Well, I mean, I think you had some injuries, right? Like Scheifele missed yeah. some time, Velarde missed some time. You know, that that doesn't help their cause at all. Um, they won on that great run forever, not giving up more than, what, three goals for 25, 33 games, whatever it was. There might be a bit of an exhale when that finally ends and, and maybe their game slipped a little bit. Um, there's the human nature ebbs and flows of a season and there's the reality that I don't know if they're a great offensive team there's a reason why they went and got Sean Monahan right Like they don't have a ton a ton of offensive great players they have also a bunch of good ones and they play really hard and they check diligently have a great goaltender and a great system and I love their coach but they don't necessarily have the individual talent maybe outside of Nick Ehlers maybe Mark Shifley I guess to sort of turn games offensively if they don't play well as a group. So I put all that in the blender and say, yeah, they're going through a bit of a stretch here. But like the Oilers have shown, like the Jets have shown, their defense will keep them around and in games all the time as they sort out their offense PR.
2: I, I will also say I was at the game in Toronto where the Jets lost uh, in overtime. Overtime or shootout. I can't even remember now. Anyway, uh, right before the All-Star break, the Jets outplayed the Leafs that night. Mm-hmm. Samson off, stole one for the Leafs, so it's not like they've been lousy for this entire streak, the Jets have, but the other thing we should mention this, you know, I've had a couple of uh, league sources mention to me, they believe Winnipeg were the runners-up on Elias Lindholm, hmm. so it tells you that yeah. Kevin Shoalayoff was definitely in there on several fronts <clears throat> last week uh, trying to shore up his his top six offense and, and naturally, you know, pivoted to Sean Monahan literally the next day, in terms of his conversations with uh, Montreal after missing out on Lindholm, and I love that. I mean, the Jets have a special year going. Yeah, first round picks a high price to pay for Sean Monahan, but that first round pick's not helping the Winnipeg Jets for about five years. And I'm literally stealing that line from uh, the way Julian Breesboy in Tampa always reacts to trading away all his picks. <laughs> if you're if you're in win now mode, you're in win now mode, man. Hundred
0: <laughs> percent. And again, anytime Sean Monaghan's name is mentioned, uh, we need to go tip of the cap to the Montreal Canadiens for two oh, first-rounders wow. for bringing that play. And that amazing. will happen forever. Anytime a, we mention him, that amazing. has to be mentioned. Two first-rounders,
1: a year and a half of good play, yeah. positive influence on the dress room, and guess what? They can go get him in three more months and they want him to bring him back. They yeah. can go get him in the summer and he'll probably be willing to return there. So, yes, a tidy bit of good business by Ken Hughes.
0: Nathan McKinnon had his 14-game streak come to an end, only rattled off 29 points in that time, 13-16-29, tied with Nikita Kucherov in the scoring race here, gentlemen, both of them sitting at a healthy 85 points. It's going to be fun watching them. Uh, So, I mean, impressive this run that McKinnon is on, playing some of the best hockey uh, in his prime, one of the best players of his generation, playing the best hockey that he's played in his prime, and we, as we talk about trades here, Johnny, it's like, what is the sense of urgency on the Colorado Avalanche to make sure that they give this team what it needs to, to take that run that this player is showing you know, they're definitely in the mix to take here?
1: I mean, I, I think there's no doubt that they will do whatever they have to do, whatever they can do to give themselves their best chance. I think a lot of what they're hoping for is just to get their entire roster back on the ice yeah. Um. You know, Nachushkin's in the player assistance program, so there's no timeline on him, but he's been a monstrously important player for them on the ice. And so they'll have to figure out what's going on with him. And then Pierre, the other big wild card is there have been a couple of Gabe Landeskog sightings like twirling around on the ice at 40%, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a long way from 100%, or maybe even the 80% he needs to get to to try to play. And he could probably certainly walk in day one of the playoffs and have that whole cap ramifications uh, if he's able to do so. But, um, you know, they've made, they've made some moves. They are very good already. Um, but I think Landis Gog will be maybe the, the kicker, the icing, if he, if, if he can get healthy again, Pierre, which I'm not saying he is, but he has been around the team again and come on the ice a couple of times.
2: Yeah, and the Avalanche have been really tight-lipped about saying anything on Landeskog. Um, I, I I do remember getting a, a quote from uh, GM Chris McFarland before the season, back in September, the GM meetings in Chicago, where I did quote him saying that Landeskog was a possibility for the playoffs, but certainly not a certainty, something to that effect. But since then, the Avalanche have re- basically refused to give updates on what they think may happen there. I, I Probably out of respect for the player who has gone through so much adversity uh, with, with you know, multiple knee surgeries and trying to get back and and not wanting probably to put pressure on their captain either. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, and listen, I've heard from a few teams that have said, okay, what's going on here? Because, you know, they, they've spent, I think they've spent two-thirds of Landis Cog's cap hit already on other players. So they couldn't even bring him back now if they, if they wanted a ball. I guess they could, but they'd have to find room. I don't, I don't see that here. I really think this is a long road back for the what has happened with this player's knee, and, and 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 I would also say this: like if he does come back at some point in the playoffs, the guy hasn't played since they won the cup. So you know, how much of a cheat code are we seeing here? Like this it's isn't Kucherov. A like, minute. This is different. This is a long time mm. with some uncertainty in the knee, right? Like, so I'm not buying into some of the conspiracy stuff here myself but maybe because I'm a glass half full guy having said that you know I I I do believe the Avalanche showed interest in both Lindholm and Monaghan to some degree maybe not as aggressively as some teams but they did inquire I think I think they need a top six injection they're relying so much I mean McKinnon's playing so many minutes um you know Lekkonen's back which has been huge but that's a team I think that that can use one more forward up there, if not top six and top nine at the very least.
0: You mentioned the Edmonton Oilers also uh, looking in that top six. Um, so we talked about the Oilers, talked about the uh, the Flames and the Canucks on the Toronto front. Pierre, what do you? If I were to ask you right now to predict what the hall ends up being. What do you think Brad Tree Living is standing there holding when trade deadline comes and goes? What's real, do you uh, think?
2: Well, there's a couple of things to get at. I'll try to be quick. One is that I really think that the leaf stretch of games coming out of All Star were going to be part of I think giving Brad Truliving the impetus to add. Like I think he I think he mm-hmm. wants to see what his team has here because they've been By playing well
0: down.
1: or by yes. playing poorly?
2: Well, Exactly. I, I mean...
1: Yeah, but if they play poorly, it, he's going to think, I got to add because we're no good? Or if they play well, I got to add? No, no. I, go I, go I think
2: if they play poorly, I think he's got to sit on on his assets. Okay. Pulls back. Listen, the Leafs have traded so much away going all in the last few years um, that I you know, I, I think the Leafs need reason to, to spend another first-round pick, which is what it's going to have to be for something tangible. The Leafs don't have a second round pick for the next three years. <laughs> the next three seconds are gone. And, and, you know, I reported this last week, but to get in on the Tanev discussion right now, it's a second and another asset is what we're hearing around the league. The Leafs don't have that. Now, the Leafs can find other ways to find a package. There's no question Brad Tree Living loves Chris Tanev. I mean, he had him in Calgary. It's It, it would be a great boost to the Leafs' blue line. But I'm just telling you that I think I think the Flames have made it clear to Toronto, well, you don't have any seconds. So if you want Chris Tanner, it, it's your first. And that's a big price to pay. But then again, Winnipeg mm-hmm. paid a first for Sean Monaghan last week. So, you know, maybe that's the kind of year we're having at the deadline. Now, if the Leafs can't get Tanev, and they still want to add, there's Labushkin, there's Sean Walker, there's Sealer. They definitely want to add on their blue line. There's no question about it.
1: Um, they're, so yes, there the the gap there that Klingberg, and then we know that they need someone there. But if you look at the Leafs the last, I don't know, twenty five games, their problem is no one can score except the big players. Mm-hmm, they got right. no like like they like right. everyone talks about defense, and yes, I get it. They could use an upgrade there, and they haven't been perfect. But I tell you what, putting Chris Probably Tannen in the back end is yeah, yeah right. So I'm saying like it's not going to help you score goals, and they need right. help. Like Tyler Bertuzzi, one in twenty eight. Max Dolmy, two and twenty two. Matthew Nye zero and 16, whatever they like all these guys that they were counting on scoring 20 ish goals are in a wicked drought. So unless that corrects itself, right, it doesn't matter what you do defensively. They need offense, well, And it's been several years where they've needed offense. They don't really go get it. And I think if, if they're going to get something like they need right. offense too.
2: Well, maybe they get a bit of both. That wouldn't surprise me either. But again, going back to all the assets that I mean, the, you know, the Athletics. Scott Wheeler just did his organizational, or he's in the middle of doing his organizational prospect rankings. I think the Leafs are ranked 28th. Like, you know, they've gone for it a number of years here under the yeah, that's previous. That's what happens. GM. But, so. but I, I
1: guess I'm just saying, Pierre, going to get a defenseman doesn't cure all in Toronto. No, totally.
2: Honestly, I think forward. they need two two defensemen. In my opinion, they need two defensemen in a top-nine board. But how do you do that when you're sitting in a wild-card spot? I don't know. Like, you don't. Right.
0: Hmm. Back to the Edmonton Oilers really quickly here. We've been having the debate around town. If, if Ken Holland hangs on to his first-round pick this year and the Oilers don't make a Stanley Cup final, like is that a huge error, a huge bogey, or can he look at this team? Do you need to spend that first-round pick – on whatever forward you're about to bring in. Is that the caliber of forward that we're talking about here that the Edmonton Oilers need, Johnny? Like, it's go, 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 right? We all know the contract status with McDavid and Drysaddle coming up. We know what this team might be capable of. But he's also a GM that's wanting to leave the organization in decent shape in his final Mm -hmm. year. So is it a must spend on that first rounder?
1: We're willing to give up the first rounder, but we can't afford to bring that guy on this year. Or if he's a guy with term, we can't afford to bring him on next year. That's the other part of the equation. It's not just willingness to part the pick, but also to afford the player. And I mean, I don't know who's the who's the best who's the best forward out there right now. Pierre, is it Adam Henrique, Frankie Vitrano? Like, mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. No, you I know. I, you know, as I far think as,
2: it's I think it's Jake Gensel, but he's not really out there. Jake yet Gensel, because of mm-hmm. right, so Jake England Gensel Yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. About know, so Boon can...
0: Jenner. How about Boone Jenner for the oil? Columbus gonna move him, Pierre? Like. Play center, can play wing, leadership. Like, if you see a first round pick, I mean, Hmm?
2: all bets are off in Columbus because there's, I mean, I feel like that franchise is at a real crossroads. I don't think he's a guy that they're shopping, but I think that the Jackets have basically let teams know we'll listen on anyone other than our kids, right? So,
0: probably want a center back, maybe a young center back.
2: I think for what, you know, the Oilers have been more fixated on the wing. like, that's why I brought up Gensel, but I mean, Jordan mm-hmm. eberly I believe, is on the Oilers' uh, wish list if Seattle falls out of it. Um, you know, uh, you know Daniel Sprong. There, there's a bunch of guys that I believe the Oilers have checked in on and kicked tires on. That's why you're starting to hear names come out. But I think, I think the idea is, you know, Fogel's played so well in that role, but I think the idea is maybe to find someone else for Leon. And I get it. Uh, I mean, obviously, why not? <laughs> if you can. Um, and to answer your question, the reason the first round pick discussion is so interesting from an Oilers perspective, and I don't want to stir the pot, but you don't know what the answer will be this summer from Leon Dreisaitl. And mm-hmm. so if for whatever reason, the franchise is having to reshuffle a little, that's why the short term and the long term is, is an interesting discussion here. But honestly... Mm-hmm. I think the Oilers have as good a shot as any team to win the Stanley Cup. I'd be willing to spend it for the right player. Yeah. I think you've got to be all I'd for sure. spend it,
1: You spend it on Gensel if he's available, but you don't just spend it because you have it. If the player doesn't right. warrant it, then I mm-hmm. go and nibble around and give a second and a fourth for Adam Henrique and be like, yeah, it's pretty good. I'll go yeah. get, you know, whatever it is. But if you're going to get a premium player, you got to be willing to trade it right now because the way this team is, the opportunity, and the window which Pierre has been stoking – of opportunity before a dry settle leaves, I think is what PR just said, yep. um, is is pretty tight.
0: Headline it. <laughs> Headline it all over Don't radio Twitter.
1: me on our own podcast,
0: yeah. okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, great discussion, guys. Trade season. I'm so fired up for the next month and a little bit here. This is where podcasting gets to be absolutely uh, a blast. As long as the GMs don't all get ahead of it too much. Because mm. uh, we want we want to draw it out here keep the conversation uh, meaty for the next month or so that was our breakdown brought to you by our great friends at kin print before we wrap up the podcast gentlemen have to go to red card yellow card no card there's no way I would let you guys down by not playing our favorite game the first week that I'm back on here pretty simple one like really just a simple one we all saw it Nikita Kucherov at the skills competition, on the Kucherov plan. He was in his own world on his own plan that night in a year where everyone they were hoping was going to take it a little more serious, where the players had a little more input and were listened to. In a year, Pierre, where they were trying to make this thing matter a little bit more, he showed up and could not have cared less. Some think it was funny as hell, some think it was ridiculous. What are we issuing to Nikita Kucherov for his performance uh, over that All-Star weekend? Red card, yellow card, no card. I almost want to start with Pierre here, Johnny. I, I want to know if Pierre is going to plant the flag here.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go red card because if you don't want to be at All-Star, there are ways where you can get out of it without being suspended.
0: Says and the guy I'm... that didn't want to be at All-Star.
2: <laughs> no, and, 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 I, and I got sucked into it because my kids wanted to go, no, I'm just kidding. Well, they didn't oh, there go. you go. Um, no, um, so I think a lot of people know this, but if they don't, to get around the, the ugliness that the league has had over the years where they actually had to suspend some players for bowing out of All-Star and, and suspend them a game as per the rules in the CBA, one of the things that's happened in recent years is league hockey ops gets a better read on who wants to be there or not, and avoids all this by saying, "Does your guy really want to be there or not?" And so it's been a cleaner process that way. And I guess what I would say is, if, if Kucherov was not in the mood for All Star, there's there's a there's a failure in communication here because he could have easily let the Lightning know. The Lightning could have let the league know, and then he's not there. No one's forcing hmm. you. And so, so that's, you just that's don't. My red card.
0: You just don't oh. name the leading scorer in the league to the All-Star game and just kind of go, Oh that's, that's oh, right. just uh, Working through something,
2: to... need a little rest. Dude, there are guys who weren't at All Star. I'm not gonna start <laughs> I'm
1: just telling you, like Yeah. There are ways around this, believe me. So I'm going red card. Similar kind of logic but slightly different. Cause it's just skill game for Smith. He was fine in the game. It's yeah. just a skill right. contest. And if so yeah. if you don't want like I I get why he was asked to be in the skill contest, leading score in the league. If you don't want to do that, and I have no problem with a player not wanting to do the skill contest. I had no judgment at all, at all. If he could just easily get out of that, easily he could be at the All-Star game and not participate in the All-Star, in the, All-S, the skills contest. So I give him a red card. And the other part about it, Shaggy, as a player, I know how to make it look like I'm trying without trying. Oh, yeah. And he didn't even bother to do that. So if you're going to go there, like you can try, you don't have to skate your fastest, but you can make it look like you're quasi concentrating on passes. And even if you're not, and he elected not to do that. So if that's how he felt with the skills thing, just avoid it altogether. If you're going to do it, at least fake it. So I give him a red card because there was other ways to to handle something he didn't want to do.
2: And I gave him credit on the Saturday during the game. He played with the crowd. and and, I mean, the guy's an awesome – like he's such an interesting character, actually, because people don't know that much about him. I I got a lot of time for him. But totally mishandled skills. That's not how you handle that.
0: So is there something to be said for – like everybody else got beat by Conor McDavid in the skills competition. Everybody else got flat out beat by him. Nikita Kucherov didn't because he didn't even show up. He didn't even try. So if you know you're not going to win the thing, is there something to be said? Like, and I'm not saying it's okay that he did it, but is that where it comes from?
1: No. Not winning this God. thing. God. Well, I'm he's gonna not. Pout he's... Then don't do it. Or like he did the first contest, it didn't go well, so like forget it, I'm not going to win this one, so just go through the motions. Like I don't think it was that well in. thought out. I don't think, I think it was just like, yeah, I'm not feeling Man, this, whatever. so I'm going to just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And trust Red me, cards. he, he, he could have tried his hardest, he still wasn't going to beat Connor that night.
0: Yeah. Red cards across the board on what was uh, what was McDavid night. Guess what? I got great uh, really, news. I
2: got great news for everyone. There is no All-Star okay. next year. <laughs>
0: hey, hey, hey. There you go. There you go. Um, quick thought, uh, like 30 seconds, because we haven't done a pod since. Johnny, more entertaining, better, stick with this formula, right direction. What do you think?
1: I've been a 10 in a row by far the most well-received all-star game weekend I've been to. Hmm. And that's not because I'm from Toronto, but that was from the players, from the league, having the women there, having the Fan Fest, having all the activities downtown. It was well-received by everyone. Most importantly, Pierre, the players seemed to enjoy the format more.
0: Mm -hmm. Try try and control your passion here with your response, Pierre. How did you feel about it? Try not to go overboard and gush. It was
2: okay. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, again, I mentioned, I mean, I, I bought tickets for my kids. They loved it. I mean, I mean, my, my, one of my daughters was like, I can't believe how fast Connor McDavid is. you would never seen him in person. That's why I get it. I, to me, it's such a waste of a weekend because the players can't go as hard as they can, nor should they. But to see the reaction in young fans' faces about seeing all these great players in the same place, that's why it still exists. That's the only people it matters for. The rest of us, I mean, honestly, the the first of the three games on Saturday, I didn't – I mean, that looked like they were in (laughs) warm-up. It was like so little effort in that first game. It was unreal. Like, come on.
0: Better. It's improving. It's improving. In the right direction. Heading in the right direction. As is the podcast, guys. All due respect. All due respect. At the end of the day, this wasn't – As bad as I thought it would be, given that we'd had a little bit of time off. Thanks, guys. Great stuff. We'll we'll do it again next week. Sound good? All right, guys. Okay, that'll wrap the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for your downloads and your subscriptions. If you get a chance, hey, head over to iTunes or YouTube and uh, leave us a comment or a review. Let us know how you feel about what we're putting out there. Uh, Thanks again to our proud title sponsor, Kuma Outdoor Gear. We'll chat again next week, folks. Have a great finish to your week. Cheers.